Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts, and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team, and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. During this new episode of Founder Stories, we're sitting down with Jacqueline Vandened, co-founder at Carbon Equity, a new climate investing platform for alternative investments, including venture capital, private equity, and real estate classes. One aspect all these classes have in common is that they are direct primary investments into climate technology. In this way, carbon equity guarantees true and direct climate impact while increasing your odds of generating attractive financial returns on the private market. I was super excited to have Jacqueline on the show as she is a fellow of the Ondex Climate Tech Program and her entrepreneurial story is more than exciting. During this show, you will learn how adventure and freedom are the drivers in her life that brought her to launch projects in the Philippines and in the EU, as well as gaining experience in private equity right out of college. She will share her journey and the why that brought her to devote her life to solving climate challenges by building new investments opportunities. Jacqueline will also give you an interesting view on how the financial market can contribute to the net zero, the challenges and opportunities of launching carbon equity, and how you can help her 
to grow the company right away. During the second part of the talk, Jacqueline will give her secret source for early-stage founders looking to fundraise. She will share advice on how to overcome some of the early-stage challenges and her work-life balance tips for founders. Finally, she will share with you her view on the opportunities that the climate ecosystem presents today. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Hi, Jacqueline. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. Uh, we're super happy to, uh, to have you here today with us, uh, especially because uh, you're also part of the uh, uh, ODCT2 or On Day Climate Tech uh, Fellowship uh, that uh, it's happening right now. So it's even more amazing for, for, for us to have you uh, to have a fellow uh, on the show. So before we start, uh, can you give us a 30 second intro about carbon equity? Sure. Carbon Equity is the world's first platform or fintech platform for alternative climate investments. We enable small ticket access to the world's best private market climate funds. So at Carbon Equity, starting from 10,000 euros, you can participate in the world's best climate VCs, climate private equity firms. And what that affords you is true impact investing really moving the needle with your money, but also very attractive financial returns, because we believe that climate investing, and especially tech climate investing, is the single biggest economic or financial investment opportunity of the coming century. Fantastic. So let, let's start by the, by the top. And uh, can you tell us a bit more about uh, your story uh, and, and background? And I, and I read a little bit about it. You have a very extensive uh, experience, so it's super exciting. Uh, maybe if you have like some you know, things that you can share, but that's not really public, that's something that you are really like to do uh, besides uh, creating companies. Uh, and then maybe using that, uh, all of that as a segue to... Uh, Tell us a bit more about what was your driver to jump into the climate tech uh, industry. Sure. Oh, that's a difficult question. I, I think the, um, the guiding principle or the thing that drives me most in life is um, adventure and freedom. I love discovery and that's why I lived in seven different countries in my life uh, so far, but it's also why I love entrepreneurship. Because I think in entrepreneurship, there is no more exciting journey. Every day is different. You don't know what's, you know, in the next step in front of you. It's like climbing Mount Everest. There are so many challenges and it's so daunting. But, you know, if you enjoy the journey and you look around and you absorb all of the learnings and it's such an enriching experience. So I think entrepreneurship, building things and seeking new adventures has been the thing that has guided all of my choices, uh, initially starting my first startup when I was a student, then jumping into private equity. I never wanted to have a finance career, but I got this like literally once in a lifetime opportunity to work in a private equity firm. And I thought, let me go on an adventure as an investor. And then going from there, jumping into the adventure with Rocket Internet, where I joined them as an entrepreneur. So I moved to the Philippines, never been there. <laughs> but uh, I thought, you know, I, when I was three, I learned a lesson, which was um, if you don't have a go, you'll never know. And that has been, I think, the motto that has guided all of my choices, because it was a very illogical jump from private equity to the Philippines. But, you know, I thought, you know, let me go on an adventure to the Philippines. Let me see how that pans out. If it's horrible, I'll come back. And then I ended up being there for six years, building two different companies and 
And, and, and so this has been my guiding principle. Fantastic. And now you're back in, uh, in Amsterdam by building uh, carbon equity, correct? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you asked for the link to carbon equity. Um, I think the moment that I started thinking about climate, um, I think many of us in our generation have gone through a similar journey. Having had like a first wave of awareness, I think, you know, back in the times of Al Gore, I joined the Ben and Jerry's climate change program. Um, so I, you know, already in, I think that was 2008 or 2010 or something. No, 2008 probably, very early on, I was really engaged in the topic. And then it sort of sank to the background for a little bit. There was this ongoing awareness until like two, three years ago where I suddenly had a moment of like, wait a minute, this is an emergency. And it's like the single biggest thing, you know, the single most important thing that I can devote my talent and time to in my lifetime. And that came after reading the book, The Sixth Extinction. The Sixth Extinction is an uh, amazing book, and it talks about like the five big previous extinctions, including like the extinction of the dinosaurs. And it shows like what's happening at the moment and how, how fast we're heading for total extinction of humankind and everything else. So it was really a wake up call. Um, so that's the moment that I decided, okay, I need to devote my life and my talent and my time towards climate change. And the realization of investing is, you know, I'm a finance professional. I've worked in private equity. I've been a partner in a VC firm. I have been a CEO at a large fintech company. And I really suck at managing my own money. And so I only started investing personally during the COVID uh, bust. That was a super awesome, unique opportunity to get into the stock market because stock markets were plummeting and I knew, okay, this is the moment to go in. So I went all in and that was a phenomenal choice. And ever since I discovered the amazing, uh, the amazing power of investing where your money works for you. Like every day I can open up my app and see how much money I have made or lost. Of course it goes up and it goes down. But that money is working for you and it grows on its own. So in the Philippines, I also saw that, you know, people very much live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, people don't have any savings. By the moment that you retire, typically you have no pension or very limited pension. And so people are not moving up the economic ladder. The only way to move up the economic ladder is by investing, having money work for you. And if you do that well, and if you have money work for you, that also sets you free. That's the relationship to my freedom drive and finance. I think the biggest objective of investing is to create, the, first of all, to move the needle in this case on climate change, but also to create freedom for yourself. Nobody wants to be rich. I don't think in our generation we really care about you know, material possessions, but everybody wants freedom. And what sets you free when you have no financial concerns anymore when you have your pension arranged and when you don't have to work that is true freedom and that's my personal objective in investing 
Exciting. So can you give us a, a little bit, uh, maybe the, the overview of uh, the, the, the landscape that uh, uh, carbon equity is uh, evolving? So meaning the, the, the green climate uh, investment landscape today. I mean, uh, yeah. how, how is the, the, the landscape evolving? I mean, we keep yeah. hearing uh, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis, uh, new funds, new, uh, new, new initiatives from uh, the all the finance uh, world, I would say. Uh, yeah. so, what needs to to happen uh, today to to really like have the, this financial world like uh, contributing effectively to to slow down climate change and and reach the net uh, net zero uh, twenty fifty uh, objectives? All right. So we see actually two types of markets: the public markets and the private markets. In the public markets, there's a lot happening. Um, so you've got all kinds of ESG trackers, um, but also a lot of startups focusing on green stock picking. I think that's an increasingly crowded market. If you look at the private markets, um, there are several levels of private market investing. Uh, first, you've got angel investing, super early stage, venture capital, growth equity, private equity, and uh, and, and and then yeah, you basically move towards the public market. Um, Within the private markets, you now see quite an explosion of interest for climate uh, investing. It's really hot. And you see that um, one, you get a nascent new uh, climate funds. They're really focused, dedicated towards climate investing. And, but you also see general funds um, like Northstone, for example, or Sequoia starting to get into climate deals. So both from the general as from sort of niche new climate specific funds, you see lots of new funds starting. As a result of that, um, the private market landscape is, is super dynamic. I would say you see most momentum in like VC, very early seed stage funding. You see much less climate focus in private equity. It's starting to emerge, but it's still much more nascent. You've got a couple of funds like Summa Equity, which are really known. And now you start to see that uh, the big funds like Temasek are, for example, also starting to launch their first climate funds, but that's only starting, whereas the VC landscape is already starting to mature a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and what you see is that it's still extremely dynamic in the sense that it's still very unclear, you know, who, who's, who's going to win there. Yeah, uh, there's so many new technologies, so many new different funds. Um, and what carbon equity tries to do is uh, create some overview in the chaos. So help guide investors through, okay, who's doing what, uh, what uh, is the focus of different funds? What are the top funds? And we, we curate these funds based on financial diligence and climate diligence. And basically I come with a selection of funds of which we say these are funds that are really moving the needle, but also financially very interesting from an investment point of view. Mm -hmm. So before we go too deep uh, in, in all of that, maybe if you could give us a little bit like the, 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 the story of, of carbon equity, uh, how long did it take you guys to, to start this, this first prototype? Where are you at uh, now with, uh, uh, with, with the, the company and what was maybe the, the initial uh, challenges that, uh, that, you, uh, that you have? Sure. Um... So the objective or the insight maybe perhaps uh, behind carbon equity was on, if you look at um, uh, climate change, one of the solutions to climate change is to invest. We need to invest to build new technology. We need to invest to scale new technology. 
Um, so that's one of the key things that we need to do. And then if you look at where is the biggest impact, where can money have the biggest impact, that's clearly uh, in private markets. The vast majority of innovation will be in private markets, but also the vast majority of transformation. There, the vast majority of companies are private, and all of these within the next 10 to 30 years need to transition from fossil fuel-based models to net zero models. So there's a huge amount of capital needed in uh, private markets for this transition. Um, but these private markets are capital constrained uh, because they have no access to retail capital. Why do they have no access? Because typically there are large regulatory hurdles, but also capital hurdles to participate in private markets. If you look at the retail investors, retail investors have a lot of capital. We focus on the mass affluent group. That's a market of 157 trillion. So that's a huge market. These retail investors typically have no access to private markets except for angel funding, which is super interesting from an engagement point of view, but from a financial point of view, hardly sensible because it's extremely risky. So we said, actually, there's a, there's a gap and carbon equity wants to build a bridge between retail capital and private markets with the objective of one, moving billions of capital from, private, from the retail investors into high impact climate investments. But on the other hand, having way more people, millions of people participate and benefit from the financial opportunity of climate investing. So okay. we started this six months ago. Um, and what we need to actually make that happen is access to funds. That's the first. So we need to have access to the world's best climate funds. Secondly, we need to build a base of customers. Uh, again, these are next-gen investors, typically young professionals, young entrepreneurs, next-gen family offices, young high net worth individuals. So people who really have an interest in private market investing are somewhat sophisticated investors and really want to focus on climate change. That's our ideal customer profile. Um, and the third thing that we're building is a tech platform which enables these investments in a very cost-effective way. So we automate everything from, uh, from, from your onboarding towards customer service, as a result of which we can lower the cost of managing all of these small investors. And the, sm the lower the cost, the smaller the tickets we can accommodate, the more people we can include on the platform. Okay. So started six months ago, yeah. And now like so maybe, maybe you can, uh, I think that that's a good segue to uh, walk us through, maybe through the, the, the user process. Like how does it work on the investor side? Like uh, I have, uh, I don't know, 200,000 uh, euros I want to invest. Uh, how, how do I join Carbon Equity? Uh, and are you guys uh, available everywhere? Yeah, good question. Um, we are available in Europe. Um, we are allowed to market within the Netherlands, um, but we can market upon reverse solicitation in other countries. So if people from other countries contact us, then we can actually accommodate them. Um, how does it work? It's quite simple. You can go to carbonequity.com. You can create an account. Then you can see what funds are available. Uh, currently, we have a very interesting urban sustainability fund. Uh, we're launching a new fund in August and a fund of funds vehicle, as a result of which you can participate with a single amount in several funds at the same time. What is important, obviously, is that you do your diligence. We did the diligence for you, so you can trust that all of the funds on carbon equity uh, have gone through a rigorous financial and climate diligence. 
but uh, we make a data room available so you can request access. You have a short intake conversation just to understand what your investment objectives are and whether you are sufficiently a sophisticated investor to understand the product, whether that's a fit. Then you get access to the data room you get to browse uh, all of the documents, uh, anything from our impact reports to the public uh, private uh, to, towards a private uh, placement memorandum. Uh, then you can sign the documents online. Then you go for a one-time onboarding. So it's a one-time process of creating your uh, your customer profile, going through the know your customer and uh, anti-money laundering checks. Uh, and once you have your account, then you can actually easily opt in on any new fund uh, without having go to go through the process. The end game where we want to get is that it becomes extremely modular so that we have uh, a whole load of funds. Um, these can be thematic funds, so focusing on alternative proteins, focusing on heavy industry, focusing on uh, carbon capture storage or geothermal funds or urban sustainability. And that you, when you sign up, you give your preferences for what are the investment themes that you're interested in and also what are the asset classes that you're interested in, VC, PE, et cetera. And that based on uh, your preferences, you can make a selection of funds and create your own fund of funds portfolio. So what is key in private market investing is diversification, diversification, diversification. So investing across themes, across vintages, across growth stages, and carbon equity makes that possible because of very modular uh because of a very modular way to invest through carbon equity okay and and what's the what's the cost for the the, the, the investors like uh, is it percentage based or transaction yeah. based or how does it work yeah good question um so we charge a 0.5 to 0.75 percentage uh, fee uh, annually on assets under management um if you compare that to the industry, that's extremely low. Uh, so that's lower than market standard. But the reason why we do that is because we want a flat fee and a very scalable fee. So ultimately our business model is in generating sufficient volume rather than on and monetizing on any particular fund in itself. Um, and aside from that, you have a one-time 1% uh, setup fee uh, and that's it actually. Fantastic. So. Uh, maybe let's let's go on the other side of the of the equation. Like, uh, how does it work on the uh, investment class side? So you, you mentioned like different like funds, funds of funds yeah. uh, that you uh, you guys are uh, working with uh, at first now. So how do you source those uh, those investment uh, you know uh, class? Um, and how do you ensure like the the, the quality? Because I think yeah. if I don't mistake, you, you mentioned on, on your website as well is the this guarantee of a true and direct uh, climate impact. So how do you validate that? Yeah, good point. Um, so first of all, we have a, a pretty large database of over 600 funds that have a climate focus across venture capital and private equity. So actually um, the, the amount of funds to choose from is quite large and it's growing very fast. Um, so what we do is initially shortlist these funds. I think it's important to mention that we have a team with very heavy investment experience. So I have uh, many years of private equity experience and several years as a VC partner experience. My One of my other partners, uh, she built the whole Philips venture capital portfolio and had a billion assets under management. 
And then we have somebody who is ex-Alpenvest, which is the largest fund of funds investor in the Netherlands. And he has done 11 years of fund investing. So we have a lot of knowledge within the team on how to select these funds from a financial point of view. Uh, but what is also important, obviously, is the climate impact. And so we have a hire from X McKinsey uh, or a founder from X McKinsey, and she uh, does a climate diligence. And the climate diligence is based on uh, primarily uh, the strategy of the fund. So what is your thesis of uh, what's your theory of change as a fund? How do you intend to make impact? How does your impact mandate reflect in your selection criteria? So how do you select for impact? How do those funds actually look at measuring impact, but also uh, forecasting impact? Because especially in, in venture capital, you invest in a startup. And so the realized impact is very little, but the potential impact can be huge. But how do you go about measuring that? How do you go about reporting impact? And to what extent are your incentives tied to impact realization? So in certain funds, you will see that carry, uh, which is like uh, funds incentives for the general manager are tied to, uh, to realizing impact. So we look very critically at to what extent our incentives tied to realizing impact goals. So these are a couple of the criteria. So we do a diligence and, a, and, and go through a scorecard and we select those funds that score as best in class on such impact metrics. Okay. And uh, are you guys planning to do this diligence like on a regular basis or is it annual basis maybe, or is it something that you do at, uh, at first once and then uh, basically you, you, you trust uh, uh, the, the, the fund manager or the, uh, the, the, the asset that you, uh, you have in, yeah. the, in the portfolio? Yeah, I, I love that question. Very relevant question. Um, no, so for us, it's like a continuous engagement. Um, so we check in with the funds uh, whether whether they are still meeting the impact criteria, but we also work with funds on developing their impact framework. We see with a lot of first-time funds, but also experienced tech funds that are now looking to go towards impact, they, they are all figuring out the wheel. So everybody is still trying to figure out, okay, how do I do impact measurement? What tooling do I use? What are the metrics? So what Carbon Equity actually tries to do is also, because we have, we see the impact frameworks from across the entire industry to share best case practices, to create a plan when we invest on how the impact uh, framework of the, of the fund can be improved and what specific deliverables are. And we work with the fund in achieving this. So that can be uh, from uh, institutionalizing uh, impact selection in your in your selection process, or uh, a specific specific way of um, doing diligence on the climate impact of a portfolio company. Uh, so really helping them develop uh, the tools and share best practices across funds. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and how do you ensure uh, as carbon equity when you approach those, uh, those funds uh, to have like, uh, you know, as I would say like at least a, an amount uh, allocated in their uh, 
new upcoming funds or existing funds yeah. like how do they uh, how do you guys manage it because i guess also you're not arriving like a, a traditional piece and okay we're committing like uh, x millions uh, as you're also like in a way uh, building the the plane uh, while flying so how do you yeah. uh, how do you you know reach an agreement that uh, makes sense for on both sides of the uh, of the equation fair question um So far, there are a couple of value propositions uh, for the funds involved. Uh, and the first is that our customer base is super interesting for them because um, it's typically what we call uh, the, the affluent, the mass affluent segment of the market and then really the next gen investor. So young entrepreneurs are making their very first fund investments, um, next gen family offices uh, who are investing their first millions. Uh, top professionals uh, who have a very strong sustainability mandate. So there is a network value in that uh, customer base for them. These might be future direct investors in their funds, uh, but these people are also people who are very connected within the tech ecosystem who could, for example, help in sourcing deal flow. Uh, these could people be people with a certain expertise. And that's something that we want to cultivate on the platform as well. So it's not just one time depositing your money and then yeah, you can uh, you can pick it up in the, in 10 years. No, we actually want to bring that community together and, and mine the value from that. Um, so connect portfolio companies with our customer base as a source of value. So there is, uh, that is, I think, a, a primary thing, the network value of our customer base for those funds. A second thing is that we are backed by a couple of uh, very high net worth individuals. We raise funding for carbon equity itself as venture funded. We raised 1.3 million recently from a very strong network of high net worth individuals and funds in the Netherlands and in Germany who have a very strong uh, network, but also who can fund themselves act as cornerstone investors. So we ensure that we're always, our commitment is always 100% backed uh, by high net worths in case we can't make, fill the ticket fully with uh, the, the customer base. So we make sure that the commitment is always 100%. Um, just to kickstart as we indeed build the plane or fly the plane while building it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's true. <laughs> exactly. So we ensure yeah. you have the right uh, capital backing. And the third thing is actually that we, um, and this is not something that we necessarily uh, had thought of when we started Carbon Equity, but what we notice is that uh, funds are rather charmed by the fact that we can take small investors off their hands because virtually every fund that we speak to has customers or potential investors who would love to participate but who cannot because they can't make the minimum tickets. And so what these funds do is actually say, okay, guys, you can, now we have a solution for you, go to carbon equity and carbon equity will take care of it. And so that allows them to actually bring in more capital that already wanted to invest in uh, the company, but without any additional administrative hassle, no regulatory concerns, uh, and they deal with a single LP, rather than having to manage a uh, hundred small investors. So there's actually a very clear value proposition in it for the fund also from an admin point of view uh, mm -hmm. to, to offload that towards carbon equity. 
Okay, so let's go back for a minute uh, on the investor side, uh, meaning the user of the of the, the the platform. So, what is the the return expected uh, in terms of their investment, and 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 how liquid are those uh, those investments? Like, can I um, you know stay there for a few weeks, few months, uh, a year, or is like a, a minimum uh, time period that you uh, you guys are requiring? Yeah. Um. The uh, return um, target, typically, and especially now in the beginning, uh, also building the carbon equity brand, we pray relatively safe and go for funds that have a solid return track record of a typically a 3x plus uh, historical performance return, meaning you return your money uh, 3x uh, over the course of your investment. Um, so typically that is for us the minimum hurdle to engage with a fund. Obviously, historical performance is no guarantee for the future, but we are targeting obviously above public market returns. So you should think in the realm of a 10 to, to 25% uh, for the top performing funds and 10% for the, for the lowest performing funds in a fund of funds. So in carbon equity, you can actually diversify across funds. That's a whole point. So you don't necessarily commit all of your funds to a single fund, but rather spread your funds across multiple funds that typically really lowers the risk profile. And historically, the, the lowest performance fund of funds has been around the 8 to 10% benchmark. And so because of this additional diversification, that should be the lowest that you should expect. Um, but on average, I think you should expect returns in the 13 to 20% range. Liquidity is an interesting topic. What we do in the near term is offer quarterly liquidity on a best effort basis, meaning that across all of the funds and all of the investors in carbon equity, we have a quarterly uh, possibility to offer your shares uh, to other carbon equity investors. Um, and, uh, and that's on a best effort basis. Uh, we're in talks with banks to potentially engage a bank as a market maker to further increase liquidity. So what we recommend to investors is that typically you should really see this as a rather illiquid investment, something that is part of your pension plan or, for example, your children's saving plan. And that's typically where you want to park maybe 50K and then see it as a long-term investment. If you're thinking about liquidity, then think of a holding period of three to five years as the ideal holding period, because typically that's the investment period of the fund. Afterwards, you get the divestment period. You're starting to get the first distributions. So it doesn't mean that your money is locked up for 10 years. Typically, you should expect the first distribution starting from year five. And also, it makes sense to start selling your shares if you want after five years if you need to share, sell your shares before that, there is a possibility to do so, but not necessarily recommended. Okay. So let's go on a little bit to the, the competition today, like uh, in Europe and in the US, like can you tell us a bit more about it and why maybe you guys are, are different or maybe better? Yeah. Yeah, good question. Um, uh, there is no direct competition in the sense that there are no private markets um, or alternative investment marketplaces which focus purely on climate. 
So, but obviously from a point of view of a retail investor who has say 200K to invest, there are competitors. So if you have uh, say 200 to 500K uh, to invest, what can you do? Um, well, then on the public side, there is a lot of competition. Uh, so I think there are a lot of, uh, there are in, in Switzerland, you've got Yova, in uh, UK, you've got Climate. I think in Germany, there's Cooler Future. So there are a lot of ways to invest in public markets. Obviously, through your regular trading or banking apps, you can also invest in the same green stocks or in green ETS or green buckets of stocks. Um, so on the public side, there is quite a lot of competition. On the private side, um, there are uh, two key competitors uh, that we know of that focus on general access to private markets. One is Moonfair in Germany. The other one is um, iCapital Network in, uh, in the US. iCapital isn't actually focused on retail investors, but they're a white label platform for banks to offer private market products to their customers. So I don't think you can actually access that as an individual investor. But in the case of Moonfair, you can. They focus on general private equity funds, uh, so not on climate. And I think so far, not much on the on the VC asset class. Um, those are the key competitors that we see so far. And so, what is the um, what's the differentiator of carbon equity is really 100% climate focus. Uh, and in our value proposition is you can have your cake and eat it too, have true impact, but also uh, have a really interesting financial return. So building your wealth whilst building the planet. Fantastic. That sounds like a, a great slogan. Um, let, let's go a little bit to the back to the, uh, and I'm sure you guys did this uh, exercise also, like, you mentioned, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like the size of the market opportunity would be around like 107 trillion, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. 157 trillion is the net worth of the mass affluent segment of the market, which is between 100k to 1 million euros. Our okay. customer base is, pre is pretty much the customer base with uh, a net worth between 100k to 10 million euros. Okay. So our market so, would actually be slightly bigger than that. Yeah. So what would be the the, the, the steps and and and, and your uh, how how are you planning to to, to scale those uh, your operation to uh, uh, to to conquer that uh, that market? What 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 needs to happen uh, as of today in the next couple of years to uh, really like uh, significantly grow uh, carbon equity? Yeah. Very good question. Well, one more thing to add to the previous question before I go into that question. Uh, we 100% believe in portfolio approach. As an investor, you should think about uh, your uh, investments as a portfolio approach and diversify across both asset classes and uh, obviously investment themes uh, and, and risk return profiles. So we believe typically what you look at, if you look at ultra high net worths, or institutional investors, they allocate between 15 to 30% of their net worth towards private markets. The rest is public markets and debt. So mm -hmm. debt is obviously fail safe and just uh, making sure that you don't lose money uh, in your bank account, but um, it's not gonna earn a return. Public markets uh, can be very erratic, um, but also and recently we've been in a great uh, booming market. So, I mean, public markets have had a great performance 
uh, but it can go up and it can go down. And again, the impact additionality of public market investing is, is quite limited. Typically, private markets is where you really make the return. And this is where ultra high net worths are really making outsized returns in that 15% allocation towards private markets. It obviously is also risky. So that's why you shouldn't invest all of your net worth in private markets because you can also lose it or make a sub public market return. Uh, but typically uh, private markets is the return driver. What for us to scale carbon equity and get to the size of uh, billions or trillions is it's all about distribution. And distribution would be the single biggest challenge because distribution, there's an education component to it. Most, uh, and most affluent retail investors have never had access to private markets. And so you kind of need to educate people on what is this and why would I want to do that and overcome at the challenges of, for example, uh, illiquidity as a reason not to invest. So there's quite a lot of education needed to educate the market. You have to create the market in a way. And the second is cost-effective uh, cost effective distribution because we obviously have a very lean operating model. So how can we do distribution? One of the things will be super important will be B2B2C partnerships. Um, so to ensure that we distribute through third parties. Well, that could be through private banks. Uh, there are a lot of private banks uh, that are looking to engage the next-gen investor. The vast majority of, that, of people that I speak to who fall within our customer category are not engaging with private banks because they see no value add. So banks are under pressure to really engage the next-gen investor with investment products that are interesting from a financial point of view, but also have meaning, have purpose, have impact. So for banks, it can be logical to, uh, to hook onto the, the carbon equity white label platform, which then gives them access to a whole roster of high impact climate investment products that they can offer to their customers. But pensions can also be an interesting distribution channel because as increasingly, uh, virtually everybody in our generation has a pension gap. Uh, we have no visibility on how much money we have for our pension or how many, much money we need. And this is typically where you would want to invest between 10 to 100K into your pension as a long-term long investment. So as people get more agency over how is my pension invested uh, and get to choose how their pension is invested, it makes so much sense to invest 10, 20% of your pension savings into private market funds not into angel investing because that's extremely risky, but if you invested in a fund or multiple funds, then you're managing your risk through diversification whilst benefiting from the, the, the return profile of these private market funds. Um, so that would be crucial for us to, to find the right distribution channels through B2B2C partnerships. Neo banks could be make sense at some point, perhaps working together with the public market uh, platforms uh, to partner uh, so that we help people in building their portfolio, doing both public and private. Uh, so that will be crucial. So thank you so much for sharing uh, all of those uh, interesting insights. So how the, the, the community of listeners, investors, founders uh, can help you today? How can they help you? Um, well, I think uh, the first thing is uh, to visit Carmen Equity and uh, give us your feedback. Uh, we are really looking to learn. Uh, so we'd love to get your thoughts on you know, the Carmen Equity concept. Um, 
your questions and check out the platform and investment products. And, you know, if you think it's interesting, uh, sign up and, and, you know, see if it's interesting for you. I think that's the most important thing. Secondly, uh, if you think of any distribution hacks, you know, entrances or leads at banks or people that you know, uh, independent financial advisors that you think could make a fit and who are looking for products like carbon equity, then let me know. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to learn more. Fantastic. Any question that I did not ask you that uh, I should have? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Jacqueline. It was uh, really, really super nice to have you uh, on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of those uh, uh, super valuable insights about uh, what you're doing with, uh, with Carbon Equity. Uh, I can't wait to, uh, to go a little bit deeper and hopefully uh, participate uh, into that as well. Uh, thank you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, stay in touch and, uh, and follow, you, follow, follow up with you guys uh, in, in the next, uh, next few months. Thank you so much. Thank you.